You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You, you feel this this nervousness on the phone there? Sir, I've been trying to make an urgent phone call up there. Well, I don't think it's something I want to do on an overseas phone. You got to make some phone calls. Hang up the phone. Prank caller. Prank caller. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Packernet After Dark. It's party time. This music is really loud. It is party time. It's time to party. We have no new callers today. By the way, if you're new around here, you can call in 608-501-0718. Talk about literally anything you want to talk about. Just keep it somewhat family-friendly. It is after dark, so some things kind of slip through the cracks, but let's not get crazy. New callers go to the front of the line, so your call will be cut, will be played first, but we don't have any. So let's see what Joe, the janitor, is up to. Hey, Ryan. Hey. It's Joe, the janitor. Oh, no, man. Connecticut. How you doing, bud? I'm good. How are you? Anyway, good. quick question. Glad to hear it. Where the hell would we be if we didn't have Ford and Nixon? So long. <sighs> That's a fantastic question. I mean, legitimately, that is a fantastic question. Here's the reason I say that. Ford, well, Ford is a good question in and of itself in terms of his abilities on defense. But Nixon and field position, I don't know that I've looked that much into it. I'm going to do just a tiny bit here because I'm just curious. So just in this last game here, the very first kickoff, Keyshawn Nixon, 10-yard return. Uh, but it says we started at, um, oh no, we started at the Green Bay 9. We went three and out on that drive. The next time he returns at 38 yards, we start at the 41-yard line. There were only five plays before we got a touchdown. We started at midfield. Aaron Jones ran for 10 yards, and boom, we're at the 49-yard line. Philadelphia, 49-yard line, by the way. We were in in their territory in one play. Then we lost a yard. Rodgers throws to Aaron Jones for 30 yards. Next play, Dylan runs for a 20-yard touchdown. Now, granted, usually it's not five plays to go 60 yards for a touchdown, but it makes a big difference. If we were starting at the 10, like the last time around, we'd be at the 40-yard line. We still have a lot of ways to go. The next time, Keyshawn Nixon returns for 52 yards. We started at the 47-yard line. We didn't score because we suck, run, run, sack, but we were able to punt it and get it down to the 14-yard line, which they then drove all the way down and got a touchdown. But the field position game has been so drastically altered because of this. That's two drives, was it two drives in a row, three drives, something in a row? 
when when Keyshawn Nixon gets it, that we're starting at basically midfield. This is why I've been saying I have no idea why kick and punt returners are so disrespected in the league. You're telling me starting 10 yards further down the field doesn't make any difference to you? Like on average? And occasionally starting at midfield as opposed to never? Because that's the other factor. It's not just on average. On average, it's only five yards. Okay, on average, it's five yards. But what we're talking about is a whole bunch of fair catches, a a pile of play for, for both the guys, right? You got, let's say, Amari and Keyshawn. A bunch of fair catches, a bunch of so-so returns that get you about to the 25, maybe the 20, maybe the 30, whatever. But what you also have with Keyshawn that you never would have with Amari is a play that gets you to midfield. It's It's so unbelievably important. I'll have to think of a better way to analyze that, but that is a very good question. Hey, back, Daddy. Jersey Mike again. Hey. Uh, just listening to the last packing that after dark, and, uh, you know, I, I didn't realize how many people were so negative on this defense and uh, on the quality of talent that we have over there. Um, as, as simply as I can put it, uh, you know, maybe, maybe it doesn't qualify me much, but my whole jam in high school and and before I got you know nuked was uh, college uh, safety. I, I played safety in in high school and in college, and my my whole thing was I hated playing on teams that didn't have drive, yeah. didn't have that mentality, didn't have the want to go get some. Um, and I, quite frankly, uh, it rubbed off on me in the wrong way, and the reason I. I, I stopped playing football was just because uh, a lack of passion yeah. uh, just drove me to be a horrible football player. Um, when I when I was in high school, I was in a very very quality uh, program. You know, uh, the likes that produced Muhammad Sanu, for example. And one of the things was the coach. He he did not care what excuse you had. There was no ifs, ands, or buts about it. You put in 110% effort, and if he didn't see you puking on that field almost every single day during two-a-days and, and busting your butt in the weight room and riling your guys up on defense when, you, when we were out on the field, I, I mean, you weren't, on the, you weren't on the field. Yeah. And the thing was, I can be real, most of the guys that we had on defense were not good. Like, it, when it came down to one-on-one, man, you could burn them. But when all of us got chippy, riled up, had, had our hair on fire, like you're talking about with Jim Letter having his guys play with their hair on fire, you could not stop us. You could not get past us. I mean, we had this whole cockiness going that Mo uh, at QB could run any kind of wildcat option, and you could not stop us. And then on defense, we come out there and smack you in the teeth and we watch as your, your, your collarbone broke on the floor and we can blast at you. I mean, I don't care what the scheme is. I don't care who the coach is. All I care about is that that coach gets those players so freaking motivated to go out there and take somebody's head off. That's what defense is all about. Because let's be real, no matter what at the end of the day, all defenses run similarly. You're either in some kind of man two, uh, two cover, cover two, cover one, cover three concepts, or you're in some zone, cover one, cover two, cover three, cover zero, whatever concepts. And they all kind of vibe with each other. And you, just as a player, need to know what, what you're doing. Yeah. But when it comes down to it, the thing that separates those number one defenses from the rest of the league is that connection. Dang it. You were just on a roll there. Let's get to uh, his second call here. 
Hey, Pack Daddy Jersey Mike. Uh, delete that past message. I'm going to simplify it real Too quick because I went on a rant. Um, Do it. Simple. When it comes to defense, you are absolutely right. It takes a mentality to win football games. Most defenses in the NFL are some variation of the other. They all play similar schemes. They all run zone man concepts, man zone concepts, cover two, cover three, cover zero, cover one. They're, they're all very similar. And they all are predicated on what the offense does, okay? So if we understand that most defenses are similar, regardless what kind of lineup they have out there, then what the hell separates a number one defense from a middle-of-the-pack defense from a bottom defense? And, and I'll tell you what, talent is not one of them. It's not one of them. I've seen some really, really garbage players Go out there and have spectacular games. For example, Rudy Ford. He's just done it. He's made multiple turnovers. The guy is not that great, though, up, up until what now? Now when he's got a fighting shot and he's playing like his hair is on fire. Absolutely right. We have all the talent in the world on this defense. The only thing that we need is a defensive coordinator that can come in here and get this defense playing like they want to take people's freaking heads off. That, that's all we need from a, from a defensive coordinator. That's it. You look at, at, at any number one defense, and that is the quality that sets them apart. It is not the talent level. I mean, crap, Pittsburgh Steelers had one of the best defenses ever for a long time running there. And what was it all about? Physicality and mentality. Those guys were going to break you in half if you even thought about looking at them the wrong way. So that, that, that's what we need to, that's what we need to look for. So to all those people out there who've got a problem with our number one draft picks and, and the guys that Good has brought in, your problem isn't with the players. It's with management. Because let's be real. Any any business that's failing, it's because the managers suck. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just wanted to piggyback off what you said. Thanks. Yeah, you, you, you put what I said in much better terms, but that's that's what I've been trying to more or less convey. Um the this the scheme is secondary at this point. And I'm not saying it's not important there, you know, we we've we've been able to see that Certain schemes are are winning. But what I'm saying is you can bring in the biggest brains on the planet. You can get IBM to build you a coach, you know, or have IBM be your coach, and he will call the it will call the perfect plays in all situations. That defense is gonna suck. I mean, Dan Campbell, what is Dan Campbell? Do you know, tell me one thing about Dan Campbell in terms of his philosophy. Do you even know if he's offensive or defensive? Do you know where he came from? Do you know his background? Do you know his scheme? Do you know what he does, what his philosophy is? I don't have any idea. And I don't think too many people do. Dan Campbell is an unbelievably fast riser. People know Kyle Shanahan and why, I mean, you know, obviously who his dad is, but you understand what makes him what he is. He's he's a 
brilliant offensive mind, and we all know what his scheme is. Even if we can't verbalize it properly, we understand what the Chiefs do. We know what the Bears do, the Broncos do, because of where they came from. We understand these trees. To some effect, we understand the Earhart Perkins system under Bill Belichick and how that branches out to all these different places. We got Buffalo. We got all these, you know, we we, we have a pretty good grad. Do you have any idea what Detroit is doing? And I know some people that are, you know, into this stuff probably do. Dan Campbell was a coaching intern in 2010, right? Obviously, I mean, he was a player, which is a, a, a big part of it. But 2010, he was an intern. He was a tight ends coach for five years. And in his fifth year, they made him interim head coach in Miami. So just think about that. He's, he's a nobody. He's never done anything as a coach. He spent five years coaching tight ends, and they made him an interim head coach. And the very next year, the, the New Orleans Saints hire him away as a tight ends coach slash assistant head coach. Why? Essentially, they want him to be the tight ends coach, but they give him a, a title that probably comes with a really big paycheck, interim head coach. By the way, you know what else that title is about? It's exactly what I've been talking about. You bring in a guy whose entire job is motivation. You work with the tight ends, but you are an assistant head coach. In other words, you are like the vice president, and your job is to be over the entire team and the staff, and your job is to to build a culture here. I don't know. I'm just assuming, but think about that. He did that job for uh, five years, and then Detroit hired him away. He was never an offensive coordinator. He didn't go through all that stuff. He was a tight ends coach. They made him a tight ends coach slash interim head coach, and then boom, head coach of the Detroit Lions. Now, the Lions aren't having a ton of success, but we all understand they don't have any talent anywhere. Well, I shouldn't say that. They, they don't have enough to win consistently. But what do we all, even as Packer fans, admire about the Detroit Lions? It's how much the players fight. And there's no question they do it for him, and they do it for each other. I mean, Jamal Williams, and, and Jamal, he, he adds to that culture. He's given that passionate uh, speech in which he starts crying. Can you even imagine the Packers doing that? They just don't have that mentality. And, and again, it's fine when you're as good as they are. And the Packers have always just been real good. I don't know if they've ever really been, you know, like the Lions or had that kind of a thing. Maybe to, to some degree. I know Rodgers has talked about it. Uh, I think, what did he say? 20, was it 2010? I thought he said something else, like 2014 or something. But the culture is is really special then. Maybe it was 16. You know, 2010 Ravens. Do you think it was just talent? That was not just talent. Have you seen those guys? The way they act, the way they talk? They, they had a mentality. They played with a mentality and you could see it. It was, it was frightening. They, they were scary human beings on a football field and some of them a little bit off the football field. Um, Ray Lewis is, is, I mean, you, you, you could take any one of those guys and plug him onto a team and he becomes the immediate, you know, stupid term, but you know, the, the alpha on that team, the, the, the head guy in charge who leads and drives the team, Ed Reed, Terrell Suggs, but Ray Lewis was like the guy amongst the guys. And they, they just had this mentality of, you know, basically we're going to kill you. That's just how they played. What was it? 2012 was the year they won the Super Bowl. Um, and, and the thing is, the, the, the Ravens weren't the best team in that, soup, in that Super Bowl that year or, or in the playoffs that year. But I knew for a fact, as soon as Ray Lewis said, this is it, this is my last year, there was no doubt 
that team was going to the Super Bowl. And it was the defense that led the way. They had something to rally around. The Packers are a good football team. They've always been a good football team. They've just never really had that edge. So, you know, and I don't want to go too far in the other direction. I think the emotional side of it is is a short-lived thing. It, it, it's, it's hard to have that just live on its own. You got to have something behind it. You can't have all passion and no scheme. And you can't have scheme and no passion. It all comes together. But if you're severely lacking in one, it's going to be a problem. And I think it has been for the Packers. So, again, I don't want to get away from it and just say it doesn't matter, but that is the number one prerequisite. Find somebody that can help build a culture here. And then amongst those guys, find the person that best best fits what it is we want to do with a defense here in Green Bay. Hey, Ryan. This is uh, Nico. Hey. Uh, Hey, since we don't have a whole lot to brag about this year, uh, how about you do a comparison between Christian Watson and all the other rookie receivers? Oh, I like that. That were basically touted as being better. Him yeah, he sucks. Wait so long well, to pick a dude. Hold on. Sorry, I was trying to hit pause there. To be fair, Christian Watson might be good in like three years. Maybe. If he undergoes like extensive and excruciating uh, training here in, in Green Bay, Wisconsin. But right out of the gate, he sucks. I mean, he's he's unrefined and he's trash. And to be fair... I, I probably was one of the people that, that was on that train. But I'm going to talk trash anyways. I don't care, even if I'm punching myself in the face. doesn't matter. Sorry, continue. It was, you know, from a small college and can't catch and, right. you know, only played for, you know, subpar opponents. Trash. So I about to compare how our really lame second-round receiver that yep. we picked up too soon is doing compared to all those Top tier guys who traded our world away to get. And I, you know, I haven't, I haven't pre-looked. I don't know if they're if he's doing any better, but I just think you know now's a good time to check. So uh, you have all the PFFs and SPIs yeah. and BDBs and all that stuff that I don't yeah. have. So hit me up, dog. How's it going with all the other rookies? Peace. All right. Yeah. Let's uh, let's go ahead and do that. One of the one of my favorite things. And PFF has a lot of cool stuff. I wish they had a couple other filters that would just be kind of basic that they don't have, that they need to get. But one of the things I love is you can select by uh, what year they were drafted. And so that really helps with a lot of things I've done for this podcast. Wide receiver, draft year 2022. 28 different receivers have, uh, you know, taken passes and whatnot. Um, as far as grade, Christian Watson is seventh, which doesn't sound great, but it actually really is because earlier this year, he was the lowest graded receiver in all of football. He was, I mean, his, his week one, 45 overall grade, four targets, two receptions, obviously had that horrible drop. So 33% drop rate, terrible, right? And then it was a 66 and then a 71 and then 55, 57. Um, but it's been up since then. And we'll, we'll look at some of the more recent weeks, but the fact that he went from dead last to seventh is uh, quite a big jump. The wide receivers with a currently higher receiving grade than Christian Watson, actually he's tied with Wandale Robinson, but Traylon Burks is slightly higher, Sky Moore is slightly higher, uh, Jalen Naylor, and then Drake London, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave. So those are the first round guys, right? Um, let's go through the stats. In terms of yards... He's sixth. Now remember, he's played in nine games and not a prominent role, but he's played in nine. Everybody that's above him has played a minimum of 11. 
Pierce, Pickens, Wilson, and Olave have played 11 games. Drake London has played 12 games, and uh, Christian has played nine. We'll get into uh, yards per route run and all that in a minute. That'll kind of balance all that out. Uh, For reference, the lowest amount of receptions aside from Watson is Alec Pierce, who's who's has 424 yards and 28 receptions. Christian Watson has 22. London, 41. Pickens, 36. Wilson, 49. Alave has 56 receptions. Uh, yards per reception, Christian Watson is fifth at 16 yards per reception. Some of these guys, uh, actually everybody above him has not had a lot of receptions, a lot of targets. Um, Khalil Shakir, 16.9. Seven receptions. Samori Ture, actually 18.8, only has four receptions. Uh, Rashid Shahid, eight receptions for New Orleans, 20.5 yards per reception. And Jalen Virgil for Denver only has one reception, and it was a 66-yard reception. So his yards per reception, pretty easy to figure out. Touchdowns, however, Christian Watson stands alone with six. Uh, Jahan Dotson, who was like the touchdown guru like that was his big thing he didn't have yards he didn't have great grades or anything like that but he had a ton of touchdowns he's only at four in fact if we look at it he probably got all four pretty early on uh yeah he had two in week one then he got his third one in week two and then he went a week without and then week four he had a touchdown then he was out and then he came back the last three weeks and doesn't have a touchdown so christian watson has uh is ahead of him with six but Jahan drake london and Garrett Wilson all have four. Romeo Dobbs, who also has been out and only has played nine games, has three. So it's what's amazing. We have three or two rookies that account for uh, nine touchdowns. If you include Samori Ture, who has a touchdown, that's 10 touchdowns just from rookie receivers. That's crazy. How many touchdowns have we scored? We've only scored 28, so it's more than a third. I want to see what the next best is for a team here uh you've got the teams that have four obviously but for a lot of them that's like Garrett Wilson but he's the only rookie on the team Green Bay's got three Denver has two but that only accounts for or no he's got three but it only accounts for two touchdowns Dallas has two rookies zero Cleveland zero uh Chicago one Buffalo one Atlanta four so four touchdowns is the most from any rookie receivers. We have 10. Actually, I have to amend that. It's 11. Christian, Wat- <clears throat> Christian Watson has a rushing touchdown also this year. So if you add all that up, and I put this on Twitter, uh, New Orleans would be second with five. We have 11. See why I love this show? I, I never would have seen any of this stuff. I mean, there's a lot of reasons why I love doing this podcast, but that's, that's definitely one of them. Started my podcast because I felt like I see a lot of things and I want to look into a lot of things, but I don't always know where to look. Anyways, we're not even done. We're we're just we're just going through the stats. Another thing um, I think is important to look at is opportunity, right? Because we know what the numbers are, but who's playing the most? Who's getting the most routes run? Not just on the field blocking and everything, but you're running a route to be caught. George Pickens is number one by a mile at four oh seven. He's got almost a hundred yards more. Then the next guy, Chris Olave at 336, then Garrett Wilson. So these are the top guys, but they're also, they've been like number ones since day one. Saw a couple comments about, yeah, well, that's because we have to lean on our guys. Dude, Pittsburgh has nobody but Pickens. New Orleans doesn't have anybody but Olave. The Jets don't have much aside from Garrett Wilson. Drake London, I mean, they, they got a tight end in Atlanta now who apparently isn't doing anything anymore. But wide receivers, Drake is it. 
Uh, Tennessee, they got rid of all their receivers and brought in Traylon Burks. Now, you know, they, they've, these teams have somebody, just like we have. We technically have Lazard, and we have Cobb, and we have guys. But these aren't teams that have, like, elite number ones, and, and these are just cast-off nobodies. They've come in from day one, and a lot of these guys uh, are, are, and some of them have been number ones pretty much since day one. Pickens, Olave, Wilson, London. In fact, they have, and we haven't. To this day, I, maybe Christian Watson is now considered our number one. But that would have been just in the last couple weeks. So I would even somewhat disagree with that notion. But um, then you'd have actually Romeo Dobbs is sixth. The guy hasn't even played in a while. So if we had a guy that was getting a ton of reps, it was actually Romeo. Christian is all the way down at 11th. Romeo is sixth. He has 253. Jahan Dotson, 218. David Bell, 217. Those are the only guys that have even cracked 200. Remember, George Pickens has that 407. Traylon Burks, 157, Tyquan Thornton, 153, Christian Watson at 144. Then you got Samori Ture all the way down here at 61. He's run 61 routes. Um, not really what anybody's asking for, but I find it interesting. Uh, percentage from the slot, Samori Ture is actually the third highest. He's 67.2. I didn't know he was like a pure slot guy for us. Apparently that's how they're using him uh, because he's in the slot more than, uh, I shouldn't say more than, but I mean, that's th- those are Randall Cobb numbers. Uh, yards after the catch per reception, Jalen Virgil and Valus Jones are number one and two, but they've only got a handful of receptions. Uh, Jalen Virgil, one. Valus Jones, three. Khalil Shakir only has seven. Christian Watson is fourth, but again, as far as guys with a, a decent sample size, in this case, 22 receptions, uh, he's he would be number one. If, you know, let's say minimum 10 receptions, he'd be number one. But either way, he's fourth at 7.5 yards after the catch per reception. Yards per route run, again, depending on if you want to include everybody, Jalen Naylor, Jalen Virgil, Braylon Sanders are number one, two, and three. However, two receptions, one reception, two receptions. Number one, aside from those guys, is Christian Watson. At Actually, he's tied with Chris Olave at 2.45 yards per reception. Now, it's a really, really good metric in terms of how productive and how just good of a receiver are you? Because it goes to volume. You know, if if the offense is constantly going three and out, three and out, three and out, three and out, you're not going to get a lot of opportunities. If you've been injured, if you haven't played a ton, well, whatever. It, it's going to mess with overall total statistics. But every single time you run a route, on average, what is your yardage? That's way more impactful than total yards, yards per reception, yards after the catch per reception. I want to know yards per route run. But the problem is nobody really knows what a good number is. For reference, Devontae Adams, we're talking one of the best of all time. The last uh, five-ish years, 2.44, 2.81, 2.75, 2.61, 2.12. So two and a half is like elite, elite. Christian Watson, Chris Olave, number one, 2.45. You can say, well, deep threats are going to have higher yards per route run. Not necessarily because they usually have less volume. They're usually not catching 10, 12 receptions in a game like Devontae Adams would. But either way, it doesn't matter because overall production is what, you know, would you rather have a guy get 150 yards on three receptions or 75 yards on 12 receptions? Well, give me the 150 yards. I mean, I, the receptions don't mean anything. What, what we need is yards. Yeah, I mean, you, it depends on, you know, converting first downs obviously matter as well. But what I'm saying is it doesn't really matter either way. But two and a half yards per reception is pretty elite. In fact, right now, Devontae Adams is at 2.44. 
2018, 2.12. He was higher the next three years, 2.61, 2.75, 2.81. But again, remember, we're comparing with like the best in the NFL. If we look at average receivers, we're talking players with like average wide receiver grades, yards per route run are about one to one and a half on average. 1.31, 1 1.14, 1.22, 0.93, 1.57, 1.31, et cetera, et cetera. Those are, those are average wide receiver yards per reception numbers. One to one and a half, then you got two, then you got two and a half is, is two and a half to three is, is real top end stuff. If you look at average depth of target, interestingly enough, Samori Ture would be the highest of the, uh, of the group. He's fourth highest, 21.8 yards on average. Now, obviously that's because of limited sample size. Riley, you can't, you can't talk when I'm doing the podcast. What? My daughter decided to come down and hang out with me while I recorded the podcast and we'll see how it goes. But um, as far as guys that actually have a reasonable amount of targets, Jahan Dotson would be number one at 16.2. Then you got Olave, then Pickens, then Watson after that. Longest, Christian Watson is second. But again, it's Jalen Virgil ahead of him who has just that one reception for 66 yards, which, I mean, still counts. We're just talking longest reception. You don't need a lot to, to win this competition. But still, Christian Watson, number two at 63, uh, being the longest. The one area, obviously, where Watson is really struggling would be uh, drops. He's got five that is the most. If you look at drop percentage, he's not the most. But um, Valus Jones is actually number one. 25% of his passes have been dropped. Then Montreal, Washington. Neither of those guys have played a ton. Then it's Watson at 18.5. You know, it's funny, though, with the drops. I, I had even said at one point, I don't care if he has drop issues. Think about it. If he... If he's going to do what he's doing every week and he drops 25% of his passes, if you throw him the ball four times, he drops one, he catches three, he's going to have 100 yards and, and a touchdown at least. And that's essentially what's happened. The last three weeks, we, we've talked about how great he is. The game against Dallas, eight targets, four receptions, 107 yards, three touchdowns. He had two drops in that game. Nobody cares. Nobody even remembers that. Tennessee, six targets, four receptions, 48 yards, two touchdowns. He had a drop in that game. Nobody cares. Philadelphia, exact same thing, six targets, four receptions, but this time 110 yards and a touchdown. He had a drop in that game. Nobody cares. And, and to be honest, this is exactly what this situation is with um, Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase, it was, people were talking about, well, he had drop issues and everything else. And I looked at it, and it's like he, he did in the NFL too. But nobody cared because he was such a dominant wide receiver. Nobody even noticed. Nobody even knew. Everybody talked about how you could just solve, because that was a big thing, is everyone's like, well, you know, Jamar Chase, everyone worried about his drops, and he had drops in the preseason, and it's stupid to worry about it. He fixed his. And I was like, well, first of all, that doesn't mean Christian's going to be able to fix it. And then I looked at it. He was one of the worst in all of football with drops. But he also broke the, what was it, the broke the rookie receiving record just one year after it was broken by uh the uh, Vikings, what's his name? Justin Jefferson. So, I mean, obviously you want him to clean it up, but at the same time, he has serious drop issues and nobody cares, nor should they. Keep throwing him the ball. You're going to have a couple of heartbreakers. But if, if the average game for him is six targets, four receptions, 110 yards and a touchdown and a drop, whoop de doo Riley, you got to turn it down a little bit. Volume just keeps creeping up over there on Ice Age. <laughs> and then for contested catches, the Packers are not super great with that. Romeo Dobbs. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm an idiot. Christian Watson is the 
fourth highest, second highest among guys with a decent percentage. What is his percentage? He's at 80%. That must have been what the other guy was talking about when he was, uh, somebody said he was number two in uh, catch percentage at 80%. And that is about his catch percentage, which is terrible. It means 20% drop percentage. What he meant was contested catch percentage, um, which would be the case. Jahan Dotson is 83.3%. Christian Watson, though, four of five, second highest. Again, that does include Jalen Tolbert and Dennis Houston, who haven't played a ton. They're both at 100%. Um, but four out of five is pretty remarkable. Jahan Dotson at five out of six. Um, I don't know too many guys that are sitting at 80% contested catch rate. I'm trying to even remember what the contested catches were. Obviously, the touchdown pass this past week was a contested catch. That's a heck of a, I mean, geez, I'm, this is a whole other world that's opening up my eyes right now. I mean, he's he's like simultaneously, I'm, I'm, I'm trying not to sound stupid here in terms of overhyping the guy, but he's got the speed, but you also forget about that 6'5 frame. And if he's able to use it in such a way that he's getting 80% contested catches, where he's just mossing guys, and he's also using that in the end zone like a tight end where he's boxing people out and he's jumping over people. The speed, and I mean, this is this is why everybody loves the height-weight speed or the height-speed combo, but it never really materializes. But the reason you get excited is because this is what you dream of. In your wildest dreams, you imagine a guy that can just run past people. You imagine a guy that can, that you know, even if you've got him beat, he's going to jump over you because he's six foot five. I can't even handle this. Missed tackles forced. He's uh, tied with Wandale Robinson at three, but that's a pretty far cry from the guys that are. So fourth place is three. Then George Pickens, it jumps all the way up to six. Then Drake London, it's up at eight. And then Garrett Wilson, 13 missed tackles forced. First downs, uh, Christian Watson is sixth. Again, the guy hasn't really done all, He doesn't even caught that many passes. But when he does, it's a touchdown. It's a first down. It's whatever, 14 First downs, he's number one among, even ahead of Romeo Dobbs. Um, only Alec Pierce, Drake London, George Pickens, Garrett Wilson, Chris. Again, it's the same guys. And and the good thing is, even if he can't necessarily maintain it or what, I'm not saying he's for sure going to be the best in this whole class, but the fear was he wasn't going to be able to hang with those guys. And that's exactly what he's doing. And it's actually cool. I mean, we, we keep talking about early in the season how these wide receivers are coming into the league just ready to play and are just kind of tearing it up. And it's it's all of them. There's there's almost nobody like from from uh, George Pickens backward. Maybe uh, I mean Alec Pierce is there. I don't I don't know exactly who it was Wandale taken before him. I'm not sure. Certainly Christian Watson and 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 up the draft board. All the first round picks plus Watson are producing. They're just ready to go. Solid NFL wide receivers. That's crazy. They're rookies, and there's like five of them. And if you look at passer rating, Christian Watson is number two behind Rashid Shahid. But again, well, actually, he's, he's got, well, 11 targets, eight receptions. But either way, depending on how you want to slice it, he's either number one or number two with a 138.8 passer rating. He also has zero penalties on the season so far. Pickens has one. Hot Dotson has one. Samore has one. Danny Gray, Jalen Tolbert, one. Drake London has two. Chris Olave and Traylon Burks three penalties. Garrett Wilson four penalties. Christian Watson draws penalties. He doesn't. He doesn't get penalties. Watch him get one this week now. Man, I want him to cook the Bears so bad. I, I I want. I want. I'm going off on a tangent. I'll get to the next call in one second. But can you? I know. I know Rogers is playing. But could you imagine how great it would be if if Love and Watson and Dobbs tore up the Bears? 
and you just look them dead in the face like, oh yeah, I hear you guys have a bright future ahead of you. Congratulations. I'm, I look forward to seeing that. It's too bad our future's bleak. We only got Love and Watson and Dobbs and whatnot. That's That stinks. Anyways, why don't we take a break here? Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. Um, please consider supporting Fertile Ground Ranch Discipleship Ministry. You can find a link to that pinned to the top of my Twitter. We will take a break and we will be right back. We all have smartphones and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Hey, Pack Daddy. Uh, a couple things. One, I was uh, reflecting back on the game, and uh, Christian Watson deserves a ton of credit for that Randall Cobb touchdown. Yep. He watched that play back. He pulls two guys with him, which is what left uh, Cobb open across the middle. So. I, yeah, actually, I'd mentioned that. I don't remember when it was. It was one of the podcasts or whatever, I think. Um, but, yeah, that that the safety runs so fast and completely just vacates the entire middle. Uh, I'm assuming he's supposed to kind of hang out there. I don't think he's supposed to run, just sprint to the sideline, but that's essentially what he did. So, yeah, it left Christian Watson where he just had to beat his guy. And, you know, or, or Randall Cobb, that he just had to beat his guy because, and, and the great thing is Cobb and Rodgers have such a good rapport that he's going to come out of his break exactly like he's supposed to, exactly when he's supposed to, so Rodgers can throw it as soon as he comes out of his break and hit. I mean, you can hit that 10 times out of 10 if they're going to keep vacating like that. And that wasn't the only time. There were other times, if you look, when guys come across the middle, that there's a lot more space for them to work with, and the reason is Christian Watson is so fast. He, he, you know, because he he has to pull guys who are saying, we, we don't want to let you get behind. So the city, they're just going to be further away, which leaves a bigger gap in the middle of the field. And it just keeps happening. And I don't know what you're supposed to do about that. Um, I really don't, especially when you're talking about, you know, man coverage. Because, I mean, the, the problem is if, if you're looking at man coverage, he's drawing away the corner that's covering him, who's usually behind him, and then the safety who's over the top of him. And that's great in terms of pulling people underneath. Well, if you don't want to drag two guys away and you just want to have one guy over the top, you're talking about single high safety. Well, that's pretty dangerous too because yeah, obviously that's a, a dangerous thing to be with with a guy like Christian Watson. So 
yeah, I don't know the solution. And that's, again, that's exactly why somebody like him is so coveted. That's why MVS got $10 million. He's not even very good at it, but just by virtue of the fact that he can stretch the field. The Chiefs knew that Tyree Kill, as good as he was um, as, a, as a wide receiver and all the special stuff that he did, and although they knew for a fact that, that they couldn't replicate that with MVS, the one thing that they can replicate to a smaller degree, but still to some degree, and it's the reason the Packers really wanted to keep MVS, is because he could still stretch the field. Now, again, he's not as fast as Christian Watson, so he didn't stretch it as much, but it still keeps it from being too compressed. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really paying dividends. And that's, that's the fun thing with Christian Watson, because if you watch back, you can see all the plays that he makes, which are exciting. You can see all the plays that he could have made, but you know, we just didn't see him or there was pressure or whatever, but he still got open. And then there's all the other plays that, you know, Randall coming across the middle, catching a pass, like, oh, cool that you, you know, good for, good for Rogers, good for Randall. They, you know, good throw and catch. But, but what you don't see until you go back and watch it again is the two guys running for their lives trying to keep up with Christian, who's not even turned around. He's just running down the middle of the field trying to clear out a bunch of space, and he does. And, and yeah, he did that in that touchdown pass as well. And that, and I, again, and I, I, I'm going to sound like a bragging D-bag, but I freaking told you <laughs> all of this was going to happen. The, the potential to blow this open. We need a run game, and we need Christian Watson to emerge. And just those two components can open everything up. And Randall Cobb is an important piece because then you have that reliable guy, right? I mean, Lazard is great, and all these other guys are great. Dobbs hopefully can really emerge. But when you have a lot of space with, what you really just need in that, in, in that situation is a guy you can trust. I need you to be right here, right now, exactly. What, because, because now you can get that Aaron Rodgers type of thing going on. Now we can get into the timing where if it's man coverage, you come out of your break, the ball's already right there. You can't defend it. But we need the space because if there's safeties and linebackers all compressed in that area, I can't throw to you because you're about to run into a linebacker and you're going to run behind, but there's a safety right there. There's just, it's too crowded. But if we stretch you vertically and horizontally, and that's the whole thing with the West Coast is we stretch you out and we create space and then we find those spaces and we throw into them. We force you to cover sideline to sideline, and now we add in a deep threat so that you have to cover. I mean, it's just just the square footage, you know, and you, you still have the same 11 guys, and that's where speed on defense comes in. You're going to stretch us out. Well, we got to compensate with speed so that, you know, they're, they're, the area they can cover widens because you need that because there's more area we have to cover because the offense has speed. But, I mean, yeah, that, that, that has opened up the offense to where now it is one of, you know, over the last three weeks, one of the more potent offenses in the entire NFL. And that's with busted up Rodgers and one game where we only scared 17 against the top defense and Jordan Love playing a, seri- a couple series. Romeo Dobbs is out, right? I mean, it's even with that. He's definitely impacting everything, even when he's, even when he's not actually getting the ball. So uh, that was great to see. Also, I think I have a solution for the Rodgers situation if he uh, he decides he wants to come back next year, and uh-huh. we and we actually want to play love. And you probably already said this before, but I think it's pretty simple. We just tell him we're going to do we're doing a rebuild. <laughs> right. I don't think he wants any part of that. Right. So uh, you know, just, just kind of play hardball with him. And I know we're going to have a bunch of dead cap. But I don't think there's any way around that. So just tell him we're going to rebuild. He said he wants no part of that. So. And then uh, hopefully love rocks and we end up winning the Super Bowl next year. How about that for positivity? Yeah, and and I had mentioned that um, I don't know when a while ago that the 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 best course of action probably 
is to have a candid conversation. And it doesn't really have to be vindictive and like, you know, this whole, you know, it's, it's a trick just to get them to quit. No, it's, it's real. And the real situation is, I mean, it's the, it's, if it wasn't for the situation, I would have no reason to not want Rodgers back. So it is about the situation, but Gutekunst needs to have a candid conversation with Aaron Rodgers that simply says, you know, we, we gave you the contract that we gave you because we want you to feel like you're wanted here and you are. But I need to be upfront with you and tell you that based on this season, a lot of changes are going to be made. We are, we are no longer looking at pushing all in. We are going to begin the process of kind of cleaning up some of this all-in scar tissue that we've created, scraping some of that out, and and trying to focus more on the future. So, you know, some of the guys are going to be, you know, Amos is going, um, Jones possibly is going. I don't know about uh, Bakhtiari. I was pretty confident about getting rid of him, but he's... He seems to be healthier and and he's playing really well, but maybe he's, but that's the point. Like we, we haven't made final decisions, but guys like Jones and Bakhtiari, Mercedes, um, et cetera, uh, we're going to have some, some conversations about possibly moving on from them and, um, trying to build kind of around some of the other core pieces that we have here. And so I wanted you to be able to have that information so that you can make your best, um, you know, to, 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 to decide what you want to do. And if you would like to come back and be a part of that and help us to kind of bring up some of the young guys and, and help instill a culture, uh, we would be happy to have you and, and you know, try, try our best to win a Super Bowl with what we got. But um, that's that's going to be entirely up to you. That's the conversation. And, 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 you know, if he decides to come back, then he decides to come back. But um, I do think that that's going to push him pretty heavily in the I don't really want to be a part of this category you know but uh yeah i agree that would be probably your best course of action hey Zach, Eddie. i have a conspiracy theory about right. aaron Rodgers. cool i think that aaron Rodgers pretends to be a really smart and like, genius person but in reality he's a fucking moron <laughs> um i'm trying to think how we could either prove or disprove that. I mean, the, the, the strongest case for his intelligence, I know he had a really strong Wonderlick score. Um, and he also has a really, really good memory. But, you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to get into the whole, the differences in, you know, intelligence and wisdom and, and uh, uh, knowledge. You know, knowledge is just an accumulation of information and, you know, whatever. But um, I don't know. I mean, I, I get where you're coming from as far as, you know, the stuff that he potentially believes. And, and I, I would think that that would be considered a lack of wisdom as opposed to anything else. But I don't know. I don't really care, to be honest. <laughs> hey, Brian, it's Nate. Hey, Nate. I know I've said this before, but, God, I, I hate that Rogers goes on the McAfee show. Yeah. I really, really hate it because I can't stop myself from watching and then he just says these things that make me so angry. And I also just hate the format of it now. The questions get are just the same thing every time. Yeah. I, like they're I, asking the exact same question. Like the questions we've heard a billion times. Are- I, I said that on, you'll hear it on tomorrow's podcast, which I just got done recording. Um, it's It was so uncomfortable or, or kind of, it just felt like, what, what, 
when they asked again, what do you think about Christian Watson? This is like the third week in a row. I, you know, I love hearing Aaron Rodgers talk about Christian, but you can even tell Aaron Rodgers is like, I've answered this. <laughs> I've answered this like seven times now. What do you think of Christian Watson? I mean, he did a great job of coming up with a different answer, but yeah, it's, it, it does start to feel repetitive. And I also am getting kind of annoyed with the, the format just in terms of, I mean, I understand you want to be polite and I understand your friends, but it, it's, it's so brown nosy, you know, like they suck up to him so hard. It's kind of, uh, it's kind of crazy. It's a little, it's a little weird. And, and Rogers even seems creepy. I, I, you, you could go with the argument that, well, that's what you have to do. If you want Rogers to be on there, you gotta, you know, suck up to him. But he almost seems kind of uncomfortable with it with some of the stuff. Like he just kind of sits there and nods and like, thank you. <laughs> kind of weird. I don't know. It is it is kind of a weird. I mean, listen, they're they're fun and they're funny, and I like that they are very like anti media in terms of you know it's so stuffy and everything is so, and they're just like, dude, I don't care. We just talk and we say stuff, and they're offensive and they're anti PC and they don't and that's good. You know, you should be allowed to feel comfortable to say what you want to say. That's what I like about a lot of these you know sorts of platforms like that, like Barstool, like um, you know Rogan or whatever. It's just. I don't care what we're supposed to do. I am a human being that that has the freedom to do whatever I want to do, and I'm going to do that. And um, they, it's just it's just relaxed, you know. Everything feels so uptight, and you know everybody has to worry about what they say. Uh, <laughs> I went on probably shouldn't blast them like this, but I went on a podcast recently. I'm actually supposed to go on it tonight. I forget it's about an hour from now. I'm supposed to go on it. I don't know if I'm going to do it or not. But I went on, and um, they're talking about Justin Fields. What do you think? And um, they asked me, and I said he sucks. He's, or I said he's trash. And I got lectured by a Packers podcaster or a couple of them, not directly, but like indirectly, almost like passive-aggressive, which was kind of lame in and of itself, about hurtful language in sports and um, mental health. And then we had a conversation about mental health, and I'm just sitting there like, what are we doing right now? Like, so now I got to walk on eggshells. I can't just like this is basic trash talk. It's it's a it's an NFC North thing. We're all trashing each other. He's trash is a pretty basic thing, and I'm I'm getting a half hour lecture about um, I don't know. It's just it's it's so like would you freaking lighten up everybody? So, anyways, um, I appreciate that they're not uptight, but the the sucking up is a little weird. And yeah, they're running out of material is is a correct statement just asking him over and over and on top of that they have to give his ego a f-ing job to completion before they can even ask him a basic question it's just this egotistical stroke every time and it's just oh god i'm so sick of it <sighs> go back home. no it, it 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 really is kind of like embarrassing to the point of being uncomfortable it and and um, Pat McAfee, he he has a really hard time just stopping and letting people. I, I and I do that too. I, I carry on forever, so I can't talk too much. But he'll ask a question, and then he he'll just keep talking. And with Rogers, it's you know he'll he'll basically ask the question, but not just get to the point of asking the question directly. And he's got it. Yeah, he spends ten minutes like pumping him up and talking about how great he is, and like because you're the greatest ever. And some people are saying this. 
And what do you think about that? Because like, you know, these, you know, you, you know, the armchair guy, they think they know everything and they don't know anything and they're stupid and you're smart and you're a great, I mean, you're the greatest of all time. Back-to-back MVP, round of applause, boys, round of applause. Yeah, yeah, hammered down or whatever they say on the thing. It's like, just ask the question already. Like you you asked it, let him answer it. It's it's a half hour of stroking his ego, like chill out. It's like they're so afraid of, it's kind of funny because it's, the whole thing is like not being afraid of offending people, but at the same time, they got to stroke his ego, ego for fear of offending Aaron Rodgers. Like, just say the thing and let's just move on here. So, I mean, on one hand, I, I really like it and I appreciate it. On the other hand, it's a little over the top for me, uh, just the show format in general. I appreciate what they're trying to do. I can't sit and watch a whole episode of it. I like the Aaron Rodgers part because it's Aaron Rodgers and they're talking specifically about the Packers. It It almost... In a much better way, it, it has sort of a Jim Carrey vibe to it, and, and, and that has nothing to do with, like, they're not like Jim Carrey, but Jim Carrey, I don't like Jim Carrey. I just don't. It's it's too much. He's a good actor. I mean, he's done serious roles, and he does a great job, but his whole shtick is so just stupid. Like, it's not funny. Like, that's not the thing you're doing. Like, his stand-up where he's, you know, he contorts his face. and It's like, why... Stop laughing at him because you're encouraging him. He reminds me of like kids I went to elementary school with that had serious ADHD problems. Like legitimately they had they had to be medicated. They were way crazy. I'm I'm 99% sure that's what Jim Carrey was. He he had serious ADHD problems and went nuts and kind of found a way to funnel that into like comedy, but it's still not really funny. It's just like a hyper person acting stupid. That's kind of how I feel with uh, McAfee. Not not in the same way, but it's just it's just a little, little much, you know. It's it's kind of like a party. And if if you want to go hang out, because they make you feel comfortable, like you can be one of us and hang out, and we're just gonna hang out, and talk sports, and have a good time. But I don't know. I don't like parties. I'm I'm the guy that sits in the corner. So I'd rather like a snippet of information and then we move on. This is such a long, drawn out, like jokey thing. I don't know. Um. Let's get, uh, let's do one more. We'll do one more because we're kind of running out of calls here. Hey, Ryan, it's Craig. Hey, Craig. Um, I know everyone's probably tired of uh, all the Aaron Rodgers talk, but That's I right. had a couple of thoughts after listening to um, your podcast. Um, I think Aaron Rodgers already knows he's coming back and a couple of reasons why I think that. A, the money. Maybe I should use numbers instead of letters. One, the money. <laughs> Is huge. I know that he has hundreds of millions of dollars, but it's still a big payday. Um, and again, considering he doesn't come to the camps and everything else, I, I think uh, he'd be hard pressed probably to walk away from that. Two, I think he does have a coach who he likes, but he also knows he somewhat can control. Um, and so I think that part of it is, in his mind, uh, attractive probably to him. Uh, third, I think he is excited about the wide receivers, uh, the way he talks about Watson and, and yeah. Dobbs. Um, and my conspiracy theory is that uh, they got rid of Amari Cooper, uh, not Amari Cooper, Amari <laughs> Rogers, um, because Cobb is going to come back. Now, I know he uh, obviously stunk on uh, returns, um, but, um, you know, he wasn't horrendous as a receiver, wasn't great, but he didn't have many catches or even opportunities. 
But I just thought it was weird to get rid of him midseason. Um, but I think it's because um, Rogers coming back and he's going to bring Brandy back with him. And frankly, uh, Cobb had a had had a pretty good season. Um, but and I think we can get him at a pretty decent price. I also think that they'll restructure probably Aaron uh, Jones and and uh, Bakhtiari. And so I think he feels okay about the offensive line um, and obviously the running backs. But I think on the offensive side, he probably feels pretty good and he has something to work with. On the defensive side, I think you've mentioned it. I think he believes that there's talent there. He mentioned it definitely during the camp. Um, and like a lot of us believe that if you get the right coach, that um, that that shift could be turned around and, and with some – some other stuff in the, in the draft or free agency that uh, maybe show up a few spots, but it's got some potential to be a top half defense next year. Um, and, and special teams has been, you know, hit and miss, but pretty exciting with our, our returner lately. So um, I, I just think there's lots of reasons for him to, to come back. Um, and I also think that's why he wants to keep playing. Uh, but it just seems to me if he, if he was leaning towards retirement, why would he want it? Why does he care about playing? So, um, because he shouldn't be threatened at all by Jordan Love if, uh, if he has no plans to come back. So. Got cut off. Let's catch the rest of that. Hey, sorry about that. That's the first time I ran out of time. (laughs) (laughs) So I'll try to wrap up, but. Um, I, I don't even, oh, I was just saying, I would hope he'd be a team player and, and say, Hey, I understand if Love gets to play this year that he's better trade bait. Um, and, and maybe, you know, we could all get something for him. Uh, and, and, and again, Jordan gets to go have a career somewhere instead of sitting around for, for, uh, another year or so. But anyway, just a couple of, uh, thoughts around that, but that's where, where I'm thinking at this point. Uh, you have a great day, and uh, go Pecco. So this is why I pause and interrupt people, because I already forgot what I was going to say uh, about your first call. Dang it. I, I will say, Rogers did have a comment recently, um, essentially saying that he he does understand, you know, if they decide to move on to love, he's going to have an open mind about it. Again, he's probably not going to like it, but he did say that. Oh, I know what I was going to say. It, I do think that that's a good point in terms of looking at the signs from the team. Brian Gutekunst has been all in on Aaron Rodgers for a while now, right? I mean, he went with love, and then Rodgers did well, and then from that moment on, he's like, all right, we're going all in with Rodgers. It'll be interesting to see if he does start trying to sell Rodgers, right? I mean, if if they bring back Randall, if they start doing things like that, that feels like a team that wants to... Uh, bring back Rodgers. To be honest, though, I think Jordan Love will be a big factor in this. I, 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 you're right to say that if he if he knew that he was leaving, he wouldn't care about Jordan Love. That's true, but I don't, I don't think he knows what he wants to do yet. And I, I do think that there's a general understanding by Rodgers and by everybody that if Jordan Love looks really good, the team will be ready to move on. Uh, it's not all just about Rodgers, because right now, I mean, maybe maybe Gutekunst is all in on we got to get him back and all that stuff, but probably hold off on extending some of his buddies until we get a chance to see Jordan Love. And, you know, if, if Jordan Love comes in and lights the world on fire, and, and uh, admittedly it's a very low percentage that he does that, but if he does, um, I can't imagine the team saying, hey, forget all that, we're still all in on Rodgers. 
it just doesn't make sense. Now he may come back anyways, and you, you put yourself in a tough spot. But um, the 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 build for the future will be about Jordan Love. That's a hundred percent what it'll be. How you pay him, I don't know. How you figure that out financially, and that'll probably be part of the situation with with Rogers too, in terms of having an honest con- conversation with him. Um, and trying to be respectful would be difficult, but <laughs> essentially, not only are we are we doing a rebuild, but part of that rebuild is building around Jordan Love, and you know, also being honest and saying, you know, we're 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 not saying that you're going to be benched necessarily, although you could go with that tact. Um, you 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 could very well say, you know, we liked what we saw from Jordan. He is the future. We're going to pay him. We're going to build around him. Um, and we, we would like you to be there to help encourage him. And I can't promise you that he won't take over at some point this year. I mean, if you drop that line, he's 100% out. There's no way. There's no way Aaron Rodgers comes back with the threat of we may bench you midseason and put in Jordan Love. So it's, it's, it's not a small thing what we have coming up here with this Jordan Love thing taking over. I don't expect it to be as you know dramatic enough for something like that to happen. But if he comes in and plays three, four, five games, which, you know, there's only about, what is there, five, six games left? Um, but if he comes in for five games and is just absolutely lighting the world on fire, that's going to that's gonna change things drastically. And again, I, I know Rodgers knows that. Anyways, I'm going to leave it at that. You guys have yourselves a fantastic night. Tomorrow we got JJ, Devin, and Aaron on the docket. Uh, but we are running short on calls. If you'd like to have a Packernet after, narc, uh, after dark tomorrow, we're going to need more than four calls. So please call in 608-501-0718. Have a great night. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Hopefully. Bye-bye.